This episode has been brought to you by our friends over at CMB Law. If you find yourself in a tight spot and you need an attorney to trust, call Courtney over at CMB Law, 941-747-4440 or 941-725-9457. You can also visit her site at cmbjustice.com. CMBJustice.com. Again, that's Courtney at CMB Law. Tell them that Thomas Free Me sent you from the Thomas Free Me podcast show. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a moment to thank all my subscribers and listeners that dedicate a little bit of time just to hear what I got to say. Thank you so much, but the struggle is real and it continues. Please spread awareness. And do your part by making sure that you are subscribed and liking each of the episodes that you listen to. Share my episodes and and spread awareness of my channel and what it is that I'm doing. These things, these little things right here is what helps me grow and helps sponsorship come my way as I am a struggling ex-con. I appreciate the support, the love, and thank you so much for tuning in. More to come. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. The Thomas Free Me TV and Podcast Show. As you know, this is continued coverage of me giving my thoughts and opinions on the Ahmaud Arbery trial as it as it continues each day. I am watching it thoroughly from start to finish as much as I possibly can, taking notes. And I'm going to do just a, a recap as just my opinions on what I see going on. Please don't forget to like and share the program, the Thomas Freeme podcast. Please just do your part in, in spreading awareness. So first and foremost, before I get started, let me just wish everybody the best. I pray that your Monday was a true blessing. I pray that everything went your way today. There was no stress, no drama. If there was, let it go. Let it go. Just taking a deep breath and just let all of it go. The day is over. Forgive who has trespassed against you and just know that we're capable of of doing the same things and and just let it go. People got issues. So just let it go. Go to bed easy tonight. So first person was Sheila Ramos. And, you know, let me say this. I'm not impressed with this this prosecutor team at all. I'm not impressed with the state and how they're presenting the case. I'm not impressed So let me just start by saying this about my perception of what I'm seeing so far. The state has every opportunity to prove these three defendants, Greg McMichael, the son Travis McMichael, and William Roddy Bryan, guilty of murder. There's there's no question. There's there's so much evidence, just the video alone and and all of these things. And, And I'm saying this because... The prosecution seems like they're not ready at all, that they're not well equipped at all, and they seem like they have to present, you know, like like they don't have the smoking gun, you know, per se. It's it's kind of odd. It's 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 I mean, maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but to me it's like the prosecutor just has to sit back and and just coast this one through, you know. Because there's just such overwhelming evidence and we know that these people are trying to cover their tracks and that they lied. And, and we know it was a lynch mob. We know this. They have to prove, you know, hey, 
you know, it gets fine because, you know, we're, 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 we're innocent until proven guilty. But in cases like this here, you know that these people are guilty. It's, it's just allowing them to prove their guiltiness, I guess, if I'm saying this right. You know, I know it's a fine line and it's difficult. You know, the defense's strategy is that this was, you know, a citizen's arrest, that they were um, tracking this person down. They didn't know who he was. He was just in, this person was in the neighborhood. Um, there was an instance prior to this, several weeks, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that uh, one of them may have saw Arbery pull a pistol or attempt to pull a pistol or look like he was trying to pull a pistol. So they thought that this intruder of of these homes and boats and, and things of the neighborhood was, you know, running around armed. So this is the defense strategy. And again, you just, the, the prosecuting, you know, you know the, the, the state just has to sit back and just like, okay, well, let's see you do that, buddy. You know, how do you explain this? How do you explain that? I just think that they're going too much. They're going too too overzealous. Okay, so let me get into how I'm saying this. So first off, you have Sheila Ramos, who's the crime scene collector. Now, she is is in the nation's eye as to how well she has done her job. And it wasn't well at all, especially in a case of this magnitude. She She was up there. The whole crime scene wasn't even taped off. So you only had a partial crime scene. The trucks wasn't even involved in the, in the crime, the initial crime scene. So it was just chaos on the scene in the sense that there was nobody there to protect Ahmad. There was nobody there to show respect towards him. It was more in the sense as to a common occurrence almost like shit, this happened again. Let's just tape this off, do the do the routine and that's it. So this crime scene collector, she did not collect evidence from the trail that Arbery ran down. You know, she could have went down that trail that he ran down to very well see if he had discarded any weapons, discarded any drugs, discarded any items that he may have stolen from, you know, these these burglaries that he was suspected of doing. So this crime scene investigator, collector, if you will, never really did her job to the best extent she was just there to clean up the scene now whether she was just told to go there and do as she was told or you know is is she just that bad at her job but either way the sense that i got from her was that again she was up there trying to protect herself her job you know her her um her dignity her integrity as far as you know her her work integrity it didn't go it really didn't go well there was there was instances again where she's put on the spot the defense the the, the investigation was was done so bad that the defense could easily just show all the loopholes in the investigation so when the defense is up there asking what well, is it possible did you check the alleyway that Arbery ran through? Did you know that he, you know, is it possible he discarded some of this as he was running? Well, no, nobody checked. Nobody even thought of it. You know, it was just a, a come sweep and, and get out and end the day. The 
the the pictures and the videos that the state um decided to 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 show was was very graphic it was a very very graphic scene i've seen scenes like this in inside you know where there's just a lot of blood you know you have the your main arteries are hit spliced and there's just it's just gruesome there's blood everywhere and the body is lifeless you know it's it's like looking at a like a wax museum you know figure just laying there or however and and they're just it's just lifeless so they decided to show these these graphic details explicitly and of course it's for shock value you know you you want you want the jury to fully understand the magnitude of what happened to this kid they did show the entry point of the shotgun blast into the side and it looks like you know it, it kind of it kind of looked like you know those big if you if you're from an airplane or you see it from an aerial shot like those big mining depots you know a, a big mining outpost where it's it just spirals down into the ground you know deep 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 well this this is kind of how that how that reminded me you know and it just went into like a black abyss of the body you know but it was it was a hole it was a hole man how they did this poor boy and it was it's tragic you know it's, it's tragic but they had to show these things you know well they didn't have to but they decided to show these as evidence and I, I just can't imagine the mother the father you know I'm a parent how could I how could I see something like that in the court and maintain sanity you know, maintain sanity. I ask myself this, you know, every time I see things like this, is how would I react in this moment, being the parent? So then we had the next witness called by the state, which was the first responding officer on the scene, Officer Minshew. Now, I have a real problem with Officer Minshew because he's a liar. And not only is he a liar, but he's protecting his own neck. And it's it's evidently clear as he's on the stand that he's very cautious of what he says. And again, he knows that the world is looking at him, wanting to know how he responded on that scene. Because let's not forget now, there was several weeks that went by. Multiple weeks went by after this where these defendants killed this man. They were allowed to go home, you know, shower, change, things of this nature. And and as if nothing happened, you know, they were just allowed to go home. And no pressure was put on these people to be arrested. There were no arrests until after the incident with the deceased of Mr. George Floyd. And then the nation started coming behind and saying, listen, man, what happened here? You know, what happened down here in Brunswick, Georgia? And how come there's no arrests? And then finally, there were, there were arrests made. So, you know, the world wants to know what happened. What happened? So you have Officer Minshew and he gets up there on the stand and he gets introduced and he starts breaking down, 
you know what happened when he got on the scene how he was arriving on the scene he, he rolled his windows down as cops do to start being aware of their environment and he heard something that was thunderous which either resembled gunshots or fireworks he says that fireworks are not uncommon in the daytime in that area but that particular day it did strike as a little uncommon so he was pulling up to the scene unprepared for what was going on he testified as he pulled up on the scene he saw a body that was bloodied you know decimated i believe is the word that he used in the middle of the road and he saw uh, a few people just kind of pacing back and forth in small little areas off to the side actually that he was waved down i'm sorry he was waved down and that's when he pulled up to the scene by the one he saw the other two over there pacing and then the the gruesome details of mr armada arbery laying in the street when he got out he testified that he did hear mr arbery still breathing what he called a, a death rattle he went on to explain what that was and that he's heard it uh, several times in his professional career as law enforcement but that he was he was still alive the questioning went into why did you not help this man right it was clarified that he did not have emergency medical equipment in his car other than just your common everyday first aid kit with gauze and ointment and things of that nature but his officer Minshew's testimony was the fact that it was scene integrity. He pulled up to the scene. He was unaware of what was going on. You know, the body was down. He he didn't know where the weapons were at. You know, so he 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 didn't want to administer medical attention to a person without really scene security because an officer's first duty is to protect themselves it's kind of bone chilling to listen to his testimony I, I suggest that you do but what's bone chilling about it is the coldness of it you know again the it's it's somebody that's protecting themselves it's somebody that's number one priority and concern is to make sure that i don't say anything that's going to get me involved in this because I know I fucked up. And truly, I know that when I was there on that scene that I really didn't give a shit, you know. Because I guarantee if it was his child, he wouldn't be so worried about scene integrity. He would have been trying to, to put whatever gauze he had over this over this gaping hole that was, that was bleeding. You know, um, comforting the boy. You know, at least just, just holding the boy and comforting him and sending him on his way you know, uh, uh, at least in the arms of love. So that's, I mean, that's that's what his excuse was for not um, providing any medical attention to this young man was the fact that he was scared. He didn't, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know who the enemies were, such and such. I can understand that to a point. I, I honestly can. You're the only officer on scene. Somebody's dead, so you know there's a murderer there somewhere, right? And you have no idea if this person's going to shoot you in your back while you're administering, you know, CP. You, you have no idea. I do understand that. I do. That just was not the case here. 
This is why I say that Minshew is a liar. This is why I say there are no good cops. Because a good cop that takes an oath and swears to protect the communities. And this is the issues that I have, you know, is is the fact that a good cop would get up on the stand. A good cop, you know, a good cop would get up on the stand and he would tell the truth. You took an oath. You swore under oath to tell the truth. And you didn't because your main priority is not to find these people guilty, is not to protect this young man that was killed, it was murdered on in broad daylight in the middle of the street. You're protecting yourself because you know you're fucked up, Minshew, Officer Minshew. So uh, the coldness of, of how he, he testifies about about it that day is, is bone chilling to know that these are our officers that are sworn to protect us. The reason why I say this is because later on he testifies and cross-examination that he was it, he was okay you know he he wasn't in in a threatened manner and the and the body cam that he was wearing was showing this i mean he's he's nonchalantly walking around there was no threatening manner to him the other two dudes you know the the father and son were just casually sitting off talking to each other you know there was there was no scene integrity whatsoever none of them were in handcuffs none of them were were de- None of them were detained. None of them were were separated. There was no scene integrity whatsoever. This was this was a scene again where an officer pulled up as if this was a common occurrence, as if this was almost like it was a lynching. You know, this uh, your common lynch mob where this occurred and, and we just come clean it up and, and set it right and and go about our daily business. We don't have to worry about this guy coming around here no more. That is how Officer Minshew was testifying today. And as the mother and father of this boy, of this child, they have to they have to sit in the courtroom and listen to this. Listen to this officer speak in this fashion, testify in the court under oath in this fashion and lie. He didn't want to help Arbery. He saw that boy the way that he was, and he said, there's no way I'm I'm going to put my hands on that. It wasn't in his concern at all, other than to call for medical to help that boy. There was no concern in him. There was no human human compassion, and this is an officer of the law. There was no human compassion from any of them. Any compassion that you see coming from the McMichaels, or or Brian, you know, William Brian is the fact that they know that they're in fucking trouble, you know. That's all they're thinking about is that they know that you're that they're in trouble. This is serious. Not the fact that this boy is dying. Nobody wanted to try to help him. And the fact that Minshew can sit up on that stand and try to justify the fact why he let that young boy die that day. Is sickening. It's disgusting that this is what our police force are. So the you know the 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 testimony continued. the The prosecution in the in that case, you know, they they, and again, this is the state's witness. You know, this is the state's witness. the The questions that were asked, I, I feel, just 
it just was wasn't prepared it just it just seemed unprepared you know for the prosecution man i hope they i hope they tighten up you know i hope they do i hope they go home tonight and they sit down and they review and they ask like what the hell are we doing we're trying to give this trial away we've already gave them a hell of an appeal you know so it's it's like what are you doing we found out that officer Minshew allowed the uh the neighbor William Bryan to go home he told him to go home if it needed him to call him because you know in defense you know William Bryan said that he was just you know the, the he he saw what was going on he jumped in the truck and he was just filming that he really had nothing to do with it we found out later of course that was a lie and untrue which he wasn't charged with obstruction of justice or lying to an officer or anything of that nature at that time but he was allowed to go home so how how much in fear are you officer Minshew that you're you know these guys are just walking around and there's casual talk there's no fear in their talk you know there's the officer Minshew was not in fear he's just not and that's bullshit he was not going to survive those shots but how do you know that? How do you know that pulling up on the scene? You don't even know you don't even know the 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 extent of the wounds. You don't even, you don't know anything. So how is your first you know your first inclination not to help this person? It just it just wasn't the intention. And he probably even knew that this happened. He may even have known that he was pulling up onto the scene. That's almost like what it was. I, I, I really don't know. You know, it's just, it, to me, it's just bone chilling again to know that, that we have officers out there that are like that. And there's many of them. Minshew's not the only one. After that, the the state called Adam Jackson, Officer Adam Jackson, which was the, the second responding. And um, again, it was a mess. This is the state's witnesses. And when the state asked Officer Adam Jackson if he reviewed his body cam before coming that day, he says, no, no, I didn't review it. None of them are taking this serious. They don't even have they, they, It's like they don't even understand why they're there. They're not there for Mott Arbery. They're there just to cover their own ass, say what they need to say and get out of there because they want to be done with this. They don't like their name in the national spotlight, but that's that's all this is. This was not a strong day for the prosecution at all. At all. I don't see I, I didn't see anything in the trial where, you know, that was landmark for the defense. There was a maybe a small little few wins in there as far as maybe the because there was there was questioning from the defense because <clears throat> one of the charges is you know the where they were trying to that the the McMichaels were trying to block off Arbery with their truck so false imprisonment um and then whatever the other charge was which is kind of like false imprisonment but it's not so it's like the, the you have to remember that you have all of these charges so if you're inquiring as to why they're going into such details about the cornering of the trucks, the things of that nature, you know, the fibers on the truck, because they're charged with your malice murder, felony murder, 
aggravated assault, false imprisonment, criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment. So the state is trying to prove guilt in all of these counts. This is the meticulousness of of the trial and the evidence and, and everything that happened that day is to show show proof that all of those charges were committed for you know for many reasons one in the sense that if they do get found not guilty of the Mallers murder it's what have they been found guilty of after that so it's the state's job to prove all of those counts it's what the state does is they when they're preparing their for their indictments is is these are the charges that we're willing to take to trial that we know that we can prove so in each of the the line of questionings from from the prosecutors and you know from the state is in that sense to to prove guilt in all of these counts to show that these men you know cornered this man and 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 would not allow him to escape from which area that they cornered him you know that's the that's the false imprisonment the aggravated assault is again the stop or I'll blow your fucking head off. You know I'm I'm gonna kill you. Those those are the the aggravated assaults, the threats on the person, and then of course we know the murders. So again, you know this third officer, Officer Adam Jackson. You know again there was there was no no empathy, no empathy for the family no empathy for for what happened that day just just coldness and and the fact that the officer jackson really didn't have too much to testify to other than what he pulled up to and and was trying to uh establish scene integrity at that time as well but i i just um i don't i really honestly don't know what the the jury's thinking in this moment you know it's it's there was a lot of note taking from the jurors, especially some from the women. Um, so there, the, the the juror, the jurors seem attentive, for the most part. And I honestly don't know. It's it's still you you have to say that's a huge mountain for the defense to have to climb to prove that this was self defense. You know, again, you have Officer Minshew testifying to the fact that. Nobody, not one of the three, ever came to him and said anything about wanting to make a citizen's arrest. Citizen's arrest never left anybody's mouth to Officer Minshew. No charges that that um these three may have been wanting to attribute to Mr. Arbery was mentioned to Mr. Minshew at all. There was no mention of burglary. There was no mention of anything. When the fact, you know, well, did you see a weapon on him? I possibly, you know, he he possibly had one the last time we saw him. Everything was all speculation. The whole thing was speculation. And on that day that they wanted to make this citizens, you know, this quote unquote citizens arrest. It, again, it was based on speculation. There was no visual of Mr. Arbery committing any crimes that day. Not one. There wasn't even any proof or testimony that they even knew that this was the person from earlier that they had under suspicion. It was all speculation. It was a lynch mob. That's why. It was a lynch mob. They lynched that boy that day. 
This is why they need to be drug behind four horses in four separate ways. It was a lynch mob. That's all it was. That's all it was. What I do want you guys to pay attention to, if you do happen to go back and review, is very important. You know, and I'm going to keep bringing this up, is is the power that the prosecutor has in the courtroom. It was displayed again today, and it'll be displayed tomorrow, and it's going to be displayed every day. The power that the prosecutor has when working the courtroom. Just look. Just watch the judge. Watch Judge Walmsley as as he responds to the prosecutor and her objections, the state's objections versus the defense objections. I think Mr. Walmsley is a is a fair judge as far as fairness goes in the court of law. From what I could see so far, however, it's still evidently clear to a trained eye. The favoritism the state gets over over defendants so i do i do want you to pay attention to that and um and that's it that's all i have for you guys please leave me any opinions like shares am i am i doing good enough coverage for you am i updating you enough is there anything in particular you would like me to to pay more attention to and that's it just you know keep it clean man keep it keep it positive keep it pimping It's Monday. We got a long week to go and a short time to get there. I love you guys, man. Stay safe. Stay blessed. Peace. I'm out.